0: FM 88.1 WHPR Highland Park always, always, high. Detroit
1: Radio WGPR Detroit HD2 You're watching WHPS Highland Park, Detroit The views and opinions expressed on the following show are not necessarily the views and opinions of WHPS, its affiliates, management or sponsors.
2: To another episode of Devil in the Courtroom Silent Torture Trafficking Through Guardianship. What would you do if a loved one was forced into isolation simply so his or her money could be stolen? Senior independent adults are being forced into isolation all around this country while their assets are pillaged. It happens more than you realize. There are several states that are considered hot spots and Michigan, especially the Metro Detroit area, is considered as such. What does that mean? It's organized crime, sanctioned by the court, full of collusion and corruption. I want to introduce to you another victim of silent torture. Trafficking through guardianship. This is the story of Jane Stickle, a loving woman, wife, and mother who worked very hard for everything she possessed so she could live comfortably in her retirement. Unfortunately, the trajectory of her life changed. You see, in Pennsylvania, we have devils in the courtroom. Things work a little differently for the elderly who have assets in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Especially when they fall under District Attorney Joshua Lamancusa's Lawrence County I Care A Lot scheme. Hello, hello, hello. What's happening, everybody? It feels so good to be back. This is a new season of the real black coffee, no sugar, no cream, coming straight at you from the city of Detroit. It's a new season, but unfortunately, I'm talking about the same old thing. Probate court corruption. Devil's in the court pillaging of assets, silent torture through guardianship. It breaks my heart to hear that people who worked their entire lives to have to go through this. Inheritances that should have gone to children, stolen. But it's legal. You see, it happens through our court system, through probate court, it just sickens me. And as you may recall, I did a series of the devils in the courtroom for the state of Michigan in Oakland County. But tonight, I have a woman with me that's from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And her name is Diane Stickle Burkbile. And she 's going to share the story of harassment, torture, and everything else horrendous that this system has done to her mother, Jane Stickle. Welcome to the show, Diane.
3: Thank you so much, Valerie. I appreciate this Very I,
2: nice. I My heart goes out to you in prepping for the show. Um, I I walked in your shoes somewhat because no one can ever really say that they've walked in your shoes. The things that you have gone through are horrendous. The torture that your mother went through, reprehensible. The whole thing is just despicable. Despicable. It's sickening. I just don't understand why no one is doing anything about it. Here in the state of Michigan, we have our attorney, Dana Nessel, she's our AG. And she talked a good game and she went on these listening tours and talked about elder abuse task force or whatever. I don't think she considers what her peers and judges and other appointees are doing as elder abuse because she's not doing anything about it. And it seems that the Judicial Tenure Committee and everyone who have who should do something about this is not doing anything about it. So let's chronicle this story From the beginning of time. Tell us about your mom. Who was Jane Stickle?
3: Oh, she was the best. (laughs) She really was. There was always laughter, always fun, always doing for others. Um, They had a baby that died before I was born, and they were very overly protective, but always wanting us to be safe and always making sure that we knew. We were loved, and nobody loved each other more than my parents loved each other. It was always respect, and Fridays were family nights, went out to dinner together, and Sundays were big meals that my mom cooked with the good china and all, and Monday through Friday, she had meals on the table, and the house immaculate, while my dad, he was a lineman for Pen Power, so he worked out in all the elements, hot, cold, storms. And they just always took care of each other. They were a team. And they saved their money, worked hard. We never wanted for anything, but they saved and thought they were doing the right thing to save for retirement. And she, she was the best. And she loved, she socialized. She loved going to church um, for dinner afterwards, going to her salon, um, going to the drugstore, bank we had our rituals on Friday, but every day we went out either for a meal or for a treat, ice cream, coffee. was um, always immaculate with her makeup and her jewelry and you know, dressed, everything, just beautiful. I just talked to everybody that she saw. Everybody knew her. At my dad's funeral, we had 500 people in attendance, and um, they were very special. They were,
2: She was the best. Wow. And the pictures that you shared with me of your mom in her heyday, wow, she was beautiful. And when, I I don't think the words you're saying can truly describe the look of this woman. It was not one hair (laughs) out of place. I mean, even from the youngest picture you show where she looked like she might have been a late teenager, maybe early 20s, that from that time all the way up into the ladder she was a diva
3: oh thank had her lipstick
2: was. and and everything you know uh, and then this turn the whole trajectory oh. of her life changed how did your mother end up in guardianship
3: oh it was one of. If we, all, we used to joke and always say, "Oh, you just go out for lunch, and that's it." Never thinking that it was our family that she had a lunch date, and never came home. Never was allowed back out. Um, it started in 2011. My dad had passed away. Um, he had cancer of the esophagus. We thought he was going to come home that Thursday. We left him on Tuesday, and here we got a call during the night that he passed away. And it totally rocked our world. We never saw that coming. And the year before, my uncle had passed away and left a nice inheritance to them. And um, a friend of ours was a judge, and he recommended Attorney Piatet. And he was the partner of the district attorney's father. So we thought, oh, I mean, 100% we're in safe hands. He talked us into setting up a life estate, that if anything happened down the road with my mom, the house, the facility she had to go into a facility would never be able to touch that and all three of our names were on the deed and here in 2016 well right after my dad had passed away and we got through everything then my sister cut us out of her life never knowing what happened and in 2016 we got a call that she was removing herself from the deed to eliminate the red tape because I was we planned on it. Everyone knew I was going to move in in 2017 in the fall with my mom. So 2016, the year prior, she took her name off the deed. We thought that was fine. Now looking back, we um, believe that might have opened the door to forgery, that there was a deed manipulated. We still cannot get from the courthouse whose name that deed was in. And um, it was after that, then started saying my mom had Alzheimer's and my mom never was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and there was chaos here with the family, people moving out of town and everything, my family, so I was distracted with them and my mom she said she was gonna go to lunch with my sister. So we thought, okay, you know, what could the harm be? And ten o'clock that night I get a call from my mom crying. They dumped me here. They threw me out at where your uncle was, which my uncle had lived Police. it was a beautiful facility we all joked that we wanted to move in there never knowing that it was new management and yet, yeah, at 10 o'clock at night I guess a staff member must have felt sympathy and gave my mom a phone she wasn't allowed phone she didn't have her purse all her contents in it nothing and um, yeah that's how we found out then 10 o'clock at night she was placed there and I almost thought maybe we could make the best of it if she could just, you know, if it would pass by my sister who had had erratic, horrible phobias about my mom getting hurt. And she had been sick years prior. My dad so when she got her vision back, he never got his daughter back. And her phobias after my dad passed away were horrendous. But we could get no one to take us seriously. And they just thought it was a battle between the two of us. And... It wasn't, we were concerned, but I think the attorney found a crack in the door there and opened it using my sister. And next thing I know, I was cut off from my mom. They were restricting my contact with her, which we didn't realize till month later that it was because they were afraid I was going to take in new papers Because they had changed her power of attorney after they got her into the facility, is my understanding, and after she was chemically restrained. Mm. And um, they were afraid I would return papers to their normal place. I had no interest in the money. Um, I just wanted to see my mom. And I just thought I had the deed and was moving into her home and was selling mine. So that threw everything off with my house. But I just wanted to see my mom. And... So let me recant
2: this. Your mother was perfectly fine. Nothing was wrong. No Alzheimer's, no dementia, or any of that stuff. Had she been diagnosed with? There,
3: there was, she was experiencing confusion. And here they found out a few weeks before. It was almost like a sleep deprivation. And she was put on a CPAP machine, which was helping. So that was eliminating her confusion and um, but aside from that, and the doctors stress to us, no, do not move her from her home. That's where she's comfortable. That's where she wants to live. After my dad died and everything, and um, my sister kept wanting like brain scans done, and they called me in and said, you, know, you can't even diagnose Alzheimer's, but your mom doesn't have it. Like, I don't know why your sister keeps saying this. Well, now we know why, because she was trying to, for whatever reason, get her into this facility and whether she was an accomplice or also a victim but we're still not sure that's we still want answers
2: wow her health started to go on the decline right you said that they were um medicating her and doing all of these other things to her while she was in the facility can you tell me a little bit about that
3: yes valerie because in the beginning i was like allowed in and everything but then they were always like lurking around and stuff well here the one day i went in and the girl said your mom's sick from the medicine they're giving her and i said i wonder what was going on i said she seemed so dopey and they said no that every time that she tries to escape or tries to go near the door they basically tackle her because they had an ankle bracelet on her an ankle alarm so she got near the door they get her back in her room and then they would drug her again, because she wanted out she wanted to go home. she knew where she was, where her home was, which was only a couple blocks from her home, the facility and um, and here then she started having adverse reactions, horrible rash, horrible swelling, and um, when I took pictures to her doctor they didn't even know that she was in a facility. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Well, here, they never got my mom's medical records. And it clearly stated that drug could not be administered to her. And um, they said with the open wounds on her ankles and stuff where the swelling and everything was that that could have turn, turned into bed sores. And later attorneys and doctors looking at those pictures, their first question was, who's her beneficiary that they were willing to let her be medically neglected? and she had she kept on medicine when I went to the resident doctor I had known him from years ago he'd never seen my mom as a patient when I went in he was excited to see me and he's talking and reminiscing about my dad and finally I said I think I know who you think I am I said that's not we're we're a different family well he I think almost had a stroke in front of me his color drained And I knew he was giving her medicine. I said, you better not be giving my mom medicine. He said, what would happen if I did? And here he was misled over the phone, believing that the person in my mom's room was not her, but a patient whose records he did have. So he said, I'll be right behind you. I'll follow you down the street. And uh, we went in and his staff had already tipped off the facility that we were on our way. So they had her all sitting up and cleaned up and her you know clothes were on and everything. And um, here, he looked at her ankles. He wanted that alarm band relocated. They would not redo that. He sent in physical therapists like days later, they would not move the band for her. And it was like the circulation and everything. And um, so we really just wonder if they weren't trying to to terminate my mother's life and move on with um you know getting a hold of everything because uh three weeks before I might be jumping too far ahead, but three weeks before her death, um the state representative Aaron Bernstein in town took to Facebook at nine o'clock at night and put on their three weeks before her death that my mother's will was changed no one one inquired about her will on Facebook
2: yes (laughs) wow so you know I I want uh, those who are on RadioWeCanSee.com and those that will be able to see this um, to see some of the torture and abuse Marquise can you roll that clip Jane Stickle was tortured and abused she was chemically restrained She was forced to wear an ankle alarm, prohibited from a phone, attending church, going to her salon, going anywhere but the lobby and enclosed courtyard of her prison where she was kidnapped and placed. She was not allowed the contents of her purse, including her wallet and checkbook. Her daughter, Diane, was warned that if she stepped foot on the property retrieving any of her mother's belongings or to drop anything off to her, she would be charged with trespassing, even for going into her childhood home that her mother worked so hard for without a power of attorney's permission. Reprehensible. So, Diane... Why were you denied access? Because you were saying you went to go visit your mom, and and I sort of know why, but I want you to tell our listeners why you feel you were denied access. What happened? Did you go there one day, and they just said, nope, you cannot come in? How did you even find out that you were not allowed to see your mom? Yes, I
3: received a letter from my sister that my mother was placed there, but I was not allowed to take her out and with my uncle we took him you know for the entire day and took him back at night so i went in and asked them and here they got out a folder and pretended now that they were reading a paper and said that i was deemed unsafe to be near my mother alone with my mother that made no sense nobody that signed off i found out that it was um after at the time near her death but we found out when it was too late that supposedly fake court orders were slipped in a test that would have had to been signed by me attesting to attending a hearing there was no such hearing there was nothing never would I have harmed my mom nothing between us and when I would go to several agencies and uh, protective services locally and in Pittsburgh and oh yes yes this is elder abuse this is ex- exploitation and we're sending people up there well then they feel like they had amnesia whenever I did follow-ups and here found out that once they got there and saw her file they thought that uh, she was there for her protection from me for her own safety
2: wow so the records were altered to make it look like it was like a, a PPO type situation with you When in essence, they put her in the state that she is in.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
2: What other things did you try to do to see your mother while she was in captivity? It sounds like you went and reported it somewhere. So give me the timeline. Like, who did you talk to? What Uh, happened? really we started
3: with her doctor who was floored that she was put into the facility we went to the neurologist to my sister demanded brain scans that were impossible to even do no such test existed to test for Alzheimer's and um, I they sent me to the local protective services who then referred me to the local ombudsman who she went in and she called me and she said there was nothing you know against me. There's nothing on record at the courthouse. Nothing that's illegal to for her to for any of them to keep me away. Um, the ombudsman had also gone in. Part of going in was because her thermostat was set at 83 degrees while she was so sick. And when I kept inquiring about it, they kept saying your mom's turning it. Well, my mom wouldn't have even realized it was there. It was you know, where it was, it wasn't, like, obvious. She wouldn't have monkeyed around with the um, uh, the box. They were going to put a lock box. Well, then they decided they weren't going to, the ombudsman said, and um, here that same ombudsman, when we contacted her October of 2017, she called me out of the blue on January 4th of 2018 and said, I'm so sorry to tell you this, and I thought my mom died, and here she said that, the doctor put restrictions on me. Now mind you, this is January 4th. The restrictions were effective September 29th, 2017, 16 weeks earlier. The reason that date matters is because that's when I found out that she was on the chemical restraints. So like they picked that date. So I don't know if that's the date they went with for these fake court orders, I'm not sure. I said, no. I said, I've talked to the doctor. I said, that doesn't make sense. So then she called back and she said that it wasn't his letter, it was a script. I said, no, that makes less sense. So then she called me back later in the afternoon and said it was a rumor that she heard. So nobody would do anything. And um, so then we filed complaints with the Attorney General's office. Well, they got involved and I was supposed to go up and see District Attorney Josh Lamacusa and I was going to sign papers, he was going to recuse himself, and I was to take in all evidence. Well, with that evidence, also came an investigator to our house who said abuse and everything else, that's good, you're going to see the District Attorney and all this, Um, went to district attorney Lamacusa's office was there for two hours while he let me basically know who was in charge and that you know and all and I was just like begging pleading like I just want to see my mom like tell me what to do you know about this deed about the house like why won't anybody tell me what my responsibilities are why is that house sitting empty but I was told by the judge who referred us to Pia who I thought was our friend she told me that if I had stepped foot on the property, that I could be arrested for trespassing. Well, all of, some of my stuff was in there, and all of my mother's things were still. Everything was in there. They took, they took hardly anything for her basic necessities. Um, like they didn't even take her undergarments, and she was forced to wear paper pull-ups. And and I heard that that was so that they could say she couldn't get them off in time, and they could say that she was soiling herself and. You know, making it look like she had Alzheimer's. Um, yes, but, and then that investigation here, I found out that it got wrong. that I believe the District Attorney got everyone on the same page with the evidence that I presented. Uh, attorney General Josh Shapiro did absolutely nothing and um, it made matters worse and found out that they threw the doctor under the bus and blamed him for everything whenever the state went in to investigate. And I guess my understanding is saying that he chemically restrained her. You know, and he shouldn't have. Um, I still don't know all the details and would love to know that. So then. Um, but he could only go off of what they were saying.
2: You know, they were restraining her to keep her from leaving the facility because she was trying to escape.
3: Right, she wanted to go home. She knew her home was and she wanted out there and all that doctor, he was made a victim. I felt terrible for him. He and my mom were born the same year and he had a wonderful reputation and a wonderful gentleman. But here um, I was diagnosed with cancer, which was misdiagnosed because it was blamed on stress and anxiety. So while I was kind of like down and everything, um, I filed another complaint down in Pittsburgh which I had filed before, didn't get anywhere, but I thought, let me try again. So the gentleman, he asked me questions, you know, fill out, you know, all these. um, Todd Reiser down in Pittsburgh. So the complaint sat for weeks. Finally, when I got a response, it said that my mother appeared to have died. September, no, I'm sorry. On May 27th of 2020, I received a notice from Todd Reiser that my mother Appeared to have passed away February 15th, 2020, which was during COVID, that was the start of COVID, and apparently in the facility she passed away, I could get no answers from anyone. No one would put in writing. I tried news stations, but they wanted proof. They wanted me to go back to the guilty parties to get proof, which I couldn't because they were already trying to lure me in to arrest me to make me a non-credible witness. And um, so, really, I did not know from May 27th until April 22nd, the following year, if my mom was actually alive or not.
2: But she was. She really did not die at the time that they indicated.
3: Right. And I was able to get the death certificates afterwards, which the death certificates don't make any sense. Actually, a professional called me out on that when I was handed them and said these don't add up that there were no contributing factors on her death certificate like pneumonia or like any kind of symptoms of any sort like anything secondary and um, the only thing that was on there was Alzheimer's but she was never diagnosed with that and then found out from people she had been moved to another facility so I don't know if that was what the fake death was about. And um, I had ran into someone who had seen her in the second facility after her death. And they said, I couldn't believe that she died that fast because I had seen her and she was asking about my family and mom knew who she was. And um, so we were led to believe then that my mom was starved. And I had, let me see, she passed away April 22nd. April 1st is when the state representative said her will was changed. So I don't know if you, we think she was trying to round me up into a frenzy or something. And then, you know, then they could get to me saying that, you know, I was a maniac or making threats or something. I don't know. But right before the state representative said that, I was told by someone that they thought my mom was still alive. And to prepare for my mom's two- to die before April 29th because her house was up for tax sale. And they, Josh Lamacusa, needed her to die before April 29th because they were going to sell that house for a flip for profit. And if mom was still alive and it was sold, then advocates on her behalf would be able to fight for the house, fight to see her. Financial records, medical records, have contact with her.: um, Yes, yeah, so she passed away then. It was after her death that we found out that my sister, as power of attorney, was responsible for maintaining all properties and assets, never paid the taxes. Um, there were annuities cast in with my name on them that that money didn't go pay taxes we have no idea where that money went and um found out that apparently there were address changes so that i never got the tax notices um but the tax notices were mailed to my mother's property which no one was living there for 44 months and i couldn't retrieve our mail or anything and it would have been directed to the power of attorney so And then I was getting, like, code enforcement. They were on my case, like, while my mom was still alive, making me think that I was responsible for maintaining and I was going to go to jail if the inspections, you know, if the house was still a mess for inspections. And it was, like, within 24 and 48 hours. Then her house was cleaned up. Everything was cleaned up. Like, who did it? Like, so they must have been trying to get me. My understanding is to take my name off the deed. So that they could, you know, be free and clear, and I would have nothing to go back on. And I was told not giving up the deed to take my name off of the deed was the best thing I could do because then it could open up questions as to why the power of attorney didn't fulfill her duties. And um, and well, to get back to code enforcement too, but we actually found out the addresses were changed on that because a couple of them had it. My name was spelled different, different Diane and Diana and stuff like that. It should have been computer generated, and it wasn't on the stationery, the proper stationery for for, the real code enforcement.
2: So with the annuities, I know your mom's house was valued at about $210,000, give or take. With the annuities and everything else, what do do you say would be the dollar amount of everything in cup and
3: I want to say, excluding the house, I'm pretty certain there was about 250,000, quarter of a million, that they would have had access to. And well, as and I think too that factors in her monthly pension checks that she would have received. You know, on behalf of my dad, they would have gotten all of those.
2: Well, of course, then, with that that game is once they have you in a facility for more than like 60 or 90 days, depending on insurance, at that point, that money gets turned over to the facility anyway. You know, any Social Security pension or whatever. So that was automatically going into the facility, but they were probably just billing Medicare for everything and, and anyway. So I never well, did like how that particular portion works. So we're going to prepare. For a musical break, you've been listening to the real black coffee, no sugar, no cream, and this is a segment of Devils in the Courtroom the story of Jane Stickle. And we have the honor of being trusted with her mother, Jane Stickle's story. So we will be back in a few.
4: I see the same old things that are never resolved And it's unfair to the people at the front of this To get no share of all they have The division lines my vision of a happier decision Where the future isn't told by what you see Television And the younger generation will carry forward a nation Without frustration, harsh dictation, everyone has occupation No more hesitation, no more devastation No more hierarchy in conversation and No normalisation of not knowing where you're going Not knowing where you're going not knowing where you're going to sleep for the night. Non stop conflict, non stop hate across the seas in another place. The closer to home also isn't very great. Poverty and oddities all accumulate. Again, discussing the same old things that don't never resolve. the it's fair to the people at the front of this to get no share of all we have. The division blinds my vision of a happier decision, where the future isn't told by what you see. The younger generation will carry the nation without frustration, harsh dictation. Everyone has occupations, no more hesitation, no more devastation, no more hierarchy in conversation, and no normalization. But not knowing where you're going.
1: Imagine losing all of your rights Even though you did nothing wrong Someone you did not choose Is given control over your person And property Making you a modern day slave help me. You may even be taken from your home And hidden away from loved ones
0: Where am I? While your
1: assets are pillaged Everything is made legal Through a judge's God, signature You might as well be in prison Because you can't get out If your family fights to defend you they are defamed and sanctioned. No governmental agency will help because it's approved by a shadow justice system. I want my family! The probate court. It's all under the guise of protecting you. Reality, as you know, it is gone. A team of attorneys, examiners, and other court insiders have created an alternate reality that becomes the new truth. But it is all based on lies. It is the deception of protection.
2: Diane has fought tirelessly for her inheritance. There has been so much harassment from 2017 until now. Faked her mother's death, faked court orders, fake doctor's restrictions, followed her into her car when she left the facility where her mother was to intimidate her. Warned that she should pretend her mother was dead for the safety of her mother and herself. Warned not to go to her mother's funeral because the DA would orchestrate an arrest. Reported for child neglect, she has no children to neglect. They attempted to lure her in a facility just to attempt another arrest told in order to see her mother that she had to remove herself from the deed, and PayTech would pay her half of a lowball price. Reprehensible. There were fake code enforcements, other bogus letters threatening to arrest her, so on and so forth. You are listening to The Real Black Coffee, No Sugar, No Cream, Straight Talk. And I have the honor and the privilege of telling the story of Jane Stickle, her beautiful daughter, Diane Stickle-Burkebile, trusted this horrific nightmare that occurred in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, with me. I feel honored. And I feel privileged, and I thank you for trusting me to tell your mother's story. Diane, I know that you went to other news outlets and other places to get this story told. You talked about how they faked your mother's death, told you she was dead, and she wasn't even dead. When she did actually die, you didn't even get to go to the funeral. They were intimidating you, having people follow you and all of these things. What has this experience been like for you and your family?
3: Oh, and it's been the worst. Nothing. I, it's just a nightmare every day for five years. It's just, it's, I feel like I'm stuck in the same day and can't move forward, can't get any help. Um, people that we thought, you know, were friends and cared about us believe the rumors and the defamation that, I was in denial that my mom was sick when I was at the doctor's appointments and no, she wasn't sick and um, that I, you know, was after her money and, and control. And I just wanted to be a daughter and just take my mom, you know, out to dinner, to church, salon, you know, go get treats, go to the store. Um, the things you oh, did prior
2: to all of this mess Just continue to be a cohesive family unit. And how dare people from the outside looking in try to make those type of accusations. Everything that's glitter is not gold. And as my grandmother used to say, never trust the sweetest frame. You're going to these individuals, the district attorney and everyone else trying to get help. And they are treating you like what you were, a whistleblower. You uncovered the shell game. And because of that, they had to find a way to shut your mouth. So what better way to do it than to make you seem like you're insane? Yes.
3: Like you don't know what you're
2: talking about and that you're losing your mind. Exactly. I didn't
3: even know that I was a whistleblower. I didn't even know what. What I was up against they had me convinced too that it was a family feud that I didn't know what I did to my sister and um uh, like, thank god that someone recommended the movie I care a lot because I could never imagine that you could have anybody could have their hands in so many pots like medicare and pensions and everything else and um I'll just never imagined that so many people in this town could stick together and just turn a deaf ear to me and look the other way and that's just you just don't know how far the intimidation goes in this town and what they're capable of and still even last week i had deputies on my property no indication as to why It just—it just it just won't stop like i i became a reckless for such a long time i was afraid i wouldn't even go to the grocery store and open the doors or the blinds i was just you just never knew what you were going to expect. And I couldn't go to the grocery store because I was ambushed by people telling me I was a terrible sister because I didn't get along with my sister or I was a terrible daughter because I wasn't fighting for my mom or I was terrible because I was fighting for my mom and she was so sick. And I was like, where are you people getting your information? Because I'm not even allowed in there. So, like, where? how were you getting all this information?
2: Well, they wanted to paint you as a bad person and they have a lot of nerves and, and you're just so sweet and so unassuming and kind because they would have got that crap slapped out of them if you get in my <laughs> face telling me, what did you just say? Oh, no, this is not going down. How dare you? I'm already in an emotional state. You're not even being considerate of how I feel as a daughter. Yes. this is none of your business. And how dare you? I'm trying to get grocery and you're coming here talking about my personal business. I've never been to Newcastle, Pennsylvania, but baby, Uh that's a whole new breed of people right there because you got a lot of nerves, a lot of nerves. You poor thing. You've just been through so much. So, despite your uh, roaming news reporters that happen to be at Piggly Wiggly or whatever your grocery <laughs> store is, um, who are some of the other key players in this I Care a Lot scheme, in your opinion?
3: Oh, my goodness. Well, definitely Judge Dominic Motto and Commissioner Morgan Boyd. They went ahead and processed the sale of the home while I was begging them, sending letters trying to find out how to prevent it, like the answers to how did it happen? Because I didn't even receive notification. So weeks later, I heard through a text message from a third party. And um, whenever I sent, the commissioner told me to send a letter asking for it to be reversed, I requested, you know, a mail receipt for a signature. And when it came back to me, it was signed by Jay Lover, so there's nobody named Jay Lover at the <laughs> courthouse, but that's how they signed it. And that's, they have no scruples when it comes to even following the law or even being discreet. They're just right out there and get away with everything. And uh, and the assistant district attorney and his father-in-law is actually my mom's cousin. He's a retired FBI agent. We thought we could trust him, never realizing that they were all connected to this. And I still can't understand him because he came to me in church and leaned over and said, you were right, fight for your mother. But he didn't do anything. Like, what, what does he, that's what I want to know. What knowledge does everyone have? What all was going on behind the scenes to destroy us? And, um, and like, the sheriff, like, what's his role that he's sending two guys at a time in a police car? And, um, and of course, the administrators and the nurse that did the drugs and kept us away at Clenmore Place. And then at the Haven nursing facility where my mom passed away at, I would love to know like, was her food, you know, nourishment discontinued? Like why, like why did someone see her and she was fine? I guess the staff at Clemore Place announced to their aides, you know, young girls and everything that my mother ran out of money and that's why they were transporting her to another facility. I found this out all after her death.
2: Um, And that's uh, a shame. You know, uh, um, that's a shame because, you know, and I know very well that Medicare covers a lot of things. And, uh, you know, yeah, sure. She ran out of money. They pillaged it all. So all of her money and assets and everything was gone so they can move her somewhere else where no one was privy to the whole scheme of things that was going on. I bet you, you know, that that nurse, that particular facility is in cahoots. You know, this thing is, it goes deep. The corruption, it goes deep. And man, you probably just scratched the surface of people who have something to do with this.
3: Exactly. And I was told, too, in the beginning, stay away from your mom for her safety and for your safety because you have no idea how many people this place generates money for lining their pockets. And I had no idea what that even meant. What in the world? Like, how? And then um, there was also some uh, stories about, um, like, beneficiaries being changed. Once the people are in there, they have no idea that, or maybe insurance policies bought in their name. Again, I would just love to see audits of the place and everyone's finances, the residents that were there. And And, you know what? That
2: sounds like a common sense approach to start an investigation. What about uh, the Judicial Tenure Commission and all of the other people who should be policing the corrupt justice system? But that sounds too much like right. The people who are responsible... For holding them accountable, the canons. You know, they probably, they're not even following their own rules that exactly. are set forth. What about professional conduct? What about the order of the way that things should be done to even commit someone to a facility? They don't just go out to lunch and then you swipe them. It's supposed to be an order of things the way that should have been done. And none of you sound like you were privy to that particular process or allowed to be a part of the process. So it's just an entire mess. Oh, it sure is. What would justice look like to you?
3: a whole bunch of resignations by several people from the Attorney General down um, for everyone that holds a license to be forced to relinquish it. I would love an audit of everyone at Glenmore Place and the Haven Convalescent Home, all of their beneficiaries, insurance policies, deeds, and bank accounts. And I would also love audits of tax sales that have this town because I'm sure we're not the only ones who lost property that got blindsided and uh, the address changes and I want to make sure everyone involved could never hold any kind of employment that would be affiliated work with uh, being responsible or in the you know the vulnerable in their care young children elderly people with disabilities handicaps and um, several of them going to jail, especially the district attorney, the state representative, the judge, the commissioner, um, the two at Clinmore Place. Um, and also I would really like to sit down and uh, be a doctor that signed my mother's death certificate to see where she even came into play and she she needs to go to jail too, or or did she even sign it? Was it like the doctor doing the chemical restraint? He didn't know that was my mom that he was drugging. Did this girl even know that was my mom whose death certificate she signed? And I would also, like the insurance company, they'd had me buy bogus insurance on my mom's house. And then I found out later that that could have been a setup, that insurance. I had no rights to the house, so there was no way I was responsible Because I was the remainder man on the life estate, and they said, had the district attorney had that house torched, then he could have arrested me, saying, Oh, she thought she was going to collect the money, so that's why she had the place burnt down. I I was just devastating. That was my childhood home, and I was moving into it with my mother, so like, regardless, like, her health, no matter what state it was in, I would have been there, and then. You know, if we needed it, that's why my dad saved his money, left the money, so that if ever they needed health care down the road, you know, they would never have to worry. And that's the very thing then that ended up taking her life.
2: You know, there was an email that you forwarded to me from a gentleman who is responsible for oversight. And the way that he was spinning your, the answers to the questions that you asked, it was almost like he had one of them tops just spinning it. He yes. never, oh, well, maybe you should take this and have it investigated by this particular office. Oh, well, I don't know about that. Um, Maybe. You know, it's just, sir, this oh. is your job. You did not answer. What was the gentleman's name in his role?
3: Todd racer, right, That's the one that said my mom had passed away also. Uh, he's he's down on Stanley's down in Pittsburgh, and he was a state investigator. Well, I think I top of his title.
2: That email was absurd. He did not oh. answer one question. And when you told him, "Well, I have letters, this, that, the other," oh, I would like to see those and everything else. He was just spinning you and spinning you and spinning you, not really telling you answers to anything. I just don't, well, I understand it. I do. You know, it's, they're all in it together. And they're going to stick together. This is not a million dollar scheme, billions. If you say that your mother's estate was a quarter of a million dollars, just imagine. I know someone here in Michigan, I covered their story, it was 1.8 million. Another was a couple of million. We're talking billions with a B of dollars and assets that are being pillaged, people put into facilities and being tortured, not allowed to see their families or anything of that nature. I think that. If you speak up and you're relatively smart and you're asking questions, that's when they want to keep you out. If you just go in and be like, well, yeah, she's, de- she's dying, all right. You know, she's yeah. declining and you don't ask any questions and you don't say anything or, or anything of that nature. Then it's not as bad as when you're asking questions and you're concerned and you're being very smart about it.
3: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then, I don't even think the poor soul had a clock. That Her days just had to have just been so monotonous. I would have given them all the money, my, everything we had just to uh, not have, she had quantity of life, but she had a horrible quality of life at the end.
2: Yes, she did. Well, as we bring this program to a close, I want to say we need solutions, resolutions, and reform. I don't like the fact that, you know, I'm all for working your way up, but then who's to say the DA probably used to drink beer at the prosecuting attorney's office together or whatever. So they're all in cahoots together in the same office building. When they come out, they're supposed to be against each other. Or when I come out, when I'm actually supposed to do my job, my job is to police you, but you're my buddy. You're my Mm -hmm. colleague. So I'm supposed to make a complaint. Where's the separation of duty? There is none. Right. They're all in it together. And I'm not saying that they all are corrupt, but How in the world do you stand up and get ready to speak out about something like that when you know how powerful of a scheme this is, you would probably be afraid. If you are that one person that wants to see change or that knows that this is corrupt and you are on the outside and you want to speak up, it would probably fall on deaf ears or you would literally be killed. Or forced into another occupation, forced to leave. I've heard plenty of stories about things that have happened to individuals that wanted to take a stand. And because of those things, it silenced everyone else and they did not want to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So as we prepare to close, is there anything else You would like the listeners to know, first of all, they can go to your Facebook page and see so much more because you have plenty of things on your page related to this particular I care a lot scheme and all the players who are a part of it. But outside of that, is it anything that you would like someone to know about this particular I care a lot scheme about your mother and your family?
3: Oh, my goodness. actually I would like to say that I would never have done Facebook on my own but I was told that was the best tool and I was told but told it by an affiliate on the sly from the Attorney General's office to put it all out there for the public to eventually have them believe me to give them a voice because he said there were more victims than maybe seeing me and to keep track of all the intimidation, to make them think twice, knowing that I was going to post it, make them think twice. And if anything did happen to me, then there it was. So, yes, you you have to speak up. And Facebook really is the best because people can just scroll through. And then, too, like when the state representative Bernstein and the assistant district attorney's wife, like, tried to lure me into a fight, and then they basically incriminated, saying that the will was changed after my mom was chemically restrained, so they, the authorities can go back and look at that and pull it up, so it is the best way, and just to be vigilant, that's all, it just, I don't want anybody else to lose sleep, because like I said, it took three and a half years for me to even be aware through the movie, going to bed every day wondering how we had no worth, how nobody would help us, never thinking the whole city was involved and intimidated and afraid, and if anybody did try, and I do know that some people did get themselves tangled by trying to help us, and um I'll just be vigilant and don't open the door for anyone, and don't answer the phone and don't sign papers, do not sign papers. And when they try to take your property, you fight for that property because that might be the only way to, like, had the house been, had I relinquished the house and everything, I would have had a leg to stand on. then it would have been, oh, she's complaining, trying to, you know, they're fighting, the sisters are fighting. No, this was actual forgery, unauthorized address changes, like racketeering, money laundering. So just oh, just do not sign anything. And to make sure that, we also feel that the copies that we received, as well as some other families in our town, that attorney Anthony Piatek was giving copies that never matched what was filed at the courthouse. In other words, like I got a deed with a clause on it, but it's possible, but again, I can't get a current deed from anyone, but it's possible that clause was removed, making me look like the owner, when in fact the copies I had and getting legal help for was applying to what those papers said, that I had no rights until the moment my mom passed away. And like I said, I was moving in with my mom and we were gonna handle those papers, transferring and removing the clause after I moved in. And And it was settled by all of us before my dad passed away that in 2017, I would move, including with my sister. But I think that As soon as my mom went to the attorney with those inheritances, then it just opened the door and they they watched us for years. Yes, I
2: was going to say one of the ones to watch like, okay, you know, and I've heard plenty of stories where um, if it appears that the family is fighting or they can find a a wedge, then this is how it all began. so, Diane, I want to thank you so much um, for sharing your mother's story on my first show of this season I appreciate it I hope that something that was said here and something that you did can help someone else even if it's just to know that they are not alone exactly and I, um, I, I just truly appreciate you and I thank you so much
3: Wow. Thank you Valerie this I appreciate this so much just to know exactly to know that you're not alone and your voice is being heard and that people know that my mom was a good person
2: yes she was so this is it we have ended the first episode of the new season of the real black coffee no sugar no cream this is a show where I don't try to spill any tea or make you feel dazed like you had a shot of cheap liquor. I just want to st- articulate strong, factual statements that allow you to see things from another perspective. And tonight, that perspective was from Diane stickle Burkpile. I will see you next week. We will be back with our love and logic segment. And it's getting a little cozy weather outside. So we'll see what we're going to talk about next week. And until that time, you take care and we're out of here.
0: Mom, Dad, me and I was thinking.
5: Thinking what?
0: Someday, will we have a better future? Mm. Someday, yeah. Lately, it's more than fun. Right.
4: Unidos como uno.
0: Away, yeah. well, here's our wake up call. Our Sunday, is today.